Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9. We looked at the first part of Numbers chapter 9 last week about keeping the Passover and that some were able to keep it who unavoidably were not able to keep it on the 14th day of the first month were permitted to take it on the 14th day of the second month. And then we came to chapter 9 verse 15. And we'll, we'll just read it right from chapter 9 15 to the end. You know, people say this really should go on into chapter 10. There were no divisions obviously of chapters in the old Hebrew books and it should really start at 15 and go on right through to the silver trumpets in chapter 10 but we'll only do to the end we'll start reading at chapter 9 verse 15 and read it carefully listen to it carefully or watch it carefully because I'm going to pick out some things later on which are relevant so please look at it and on the day that the tabernacle was reared up the cloud covered the tabernacle namely the tent of the testimony and that even there was upon the tabernacle as it were the appearance of fire until the morning and so it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night and when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle then after that the children of Israel journeyed and in the place where the cloud abode there the children of Israel pitched their tents at the commandment of the Lord the children of Israel journeyed and at the commandment of the Lord they pitched as long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle they rested in their tents and when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not and so it was when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle according to the commandment of the Lord they abode in their tents and according to the commandment of the Lord they journeyed and so it was when the cloud abode from even unto the morning and that the cloud was taken up in the morning then they journeyed whether it was by day or by night that the cloud was taken up they journeyed or whether it were two days or a month or a year that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle remaining thereon the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not but when it was taken up they journeyed at the commandment of the Lord they rested in their tents and at the commandment of the Lord they journeyed they kept the charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses Amen. God will explain that passage to us if we just follow his, the leading of his spirit. You know there are various passages which are repeated in, in these uh, early books of the Bible. And I was going to skip over this because we would mentioned it before. In, when we did the tabernacle at the end of the tabernacle series uh, when Moses had completed the tabernacle and everything was complete then the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle you remember and the cloud came down on top of the tabernacle showing God's presence was there 
And we've said it before, so I said, well, we'll go on to the golden, the silver trumpets. But then it struck me, why did the Holy Spirit have it in twice? You know, people have said, history repeats itself. And somebody said, it has to, because nobody listens. And you know, that's very true. Maybe this is the reason the Holy Spirit... I'm going to emphasize this point, and I'll repeat it again. Here in Numbers we have a very similar thing than we had before. And so I didn't skip over it. I thought we would study it again and look and see, was there something here that we could learn this morning as a result of it being here in Numbers? The cloud over the tabernacle. The cloud indicating the presence of God covered apparently the holy place, the most holy place at the back where where the ark was, the cloud was above. And it says it was the tent of the testimony, indicating that the testimony, the law was in there, in in the ark. We know that the the testimony of the law was was placed in the ark, the, the two tablets of stone. And that cloud indicated the presence of God and the presence of the testimony of God. And you know what I was thinking? What is the evidence? As the world looks at you and me, and we have the, the testimony of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what is the evidence to the people around us? The people could see that God was dwelling there in the midst of Israel. All the surrounding tribes could see by the cloud's presence. What, what do people see when they look at us? Do they see the presence of God in our lives? Is there evidence in my life of a godly life? Do people notice that I'm different? Or I'm just like peas in a pod, we all are the same. No, we should be different. People should see the difference in our lives. A cloud and a fire. The glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud and a fire. What a wonderful experience it must have been for Moses to realize that all the work that the people had done, God was pleased with. And there was evidence that God was pleased by his presence there. Go back to Genesis Leviticus. Go back to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 9. And this is where it's repeated again. The various offerings, the, the priests, uh, Aaron had to bring various offerings. And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said unto them, Take these offerings. And they had to produce and make various offerings unto God. Also a bullock and a ram for a peace offering to sacrifice before the Lord, and a meat offering mingled with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. How there's going to be something wonderful that's going to take place. The Lord is going to appear. But we have to get ready. We have to produce all these sacrifices and offerings. And unless we submit ourselves to God, unless we come to Him in, 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 in confession and repentance, the Lord won't appear to us. And they had to produce these sacrifices, these sin offerings, these peace offerings, and the various things. Why? Because Moses said, the Lord's going to appear. The Lord was going to appear. That was exciting. The tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all of the people. 
Isn't that wonderful? They had offered their sin offerings and their sacrifices and God honoured it and he appeared. I, I, it's, it's amazing. God appeared to them. The Lord appeared unto all the people and there came a fire. This must have been awesome. The, 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 the sacrifice had been paint on, uh, placed on the altar and look what happened. There came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering of the fat which when all the people saw they shouted and fell on their faces. Awesome. The power and majesty and glory of God appeared to them. We want to see we want to see the Lord in our midst. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes. We want to see Jesus. You know, one time there were people, Greeks came to the disciples and they came to Philip and uh, they said, We want to see Jesus. Sir, he said, We want to see Jesus. They were Greeks, they were Greek converts. They wanted to see Jesus. That's what we want people in this town to inquire. And, and we hope that they will come to us and say, We want to know your Jesus. We want to see Jesus. But you know, they want to see Jesus in you and me. In our testimony. There's a, there's a wonderful verse in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 5. Talking about the, the future uh, in the millennium time. But nevertheless it's a, it's a wonderful verse 4 or 5. And it says. And when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion. And shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof. By the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion. And upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For upon all the glory shall be a defense. God is going to come down in glory upon Zion. And all these houses, in, not literally but in, in, in figurative language. God is going to be there as a witness and a testimony. And God is going to be with his people in the millennium on Mount Zion. But you know, it says there, the glory shall be a defense. The glory of the Lord. If we have the glory of the Lord living within us, it will be a defense against all the attacks of Satan. Psalm 5 verse 12 For thou Lord will bless the righteous with favour wilt thou compass him about as with a shield we, we have the glory of the Lord with us it's our defence our defence against Satan if we are filled with the glory of the Lord it will be a defence against the waywardness that we would seek sometimes to go and the attacks of Satan all the glory shall be a defense, it says. 
You know, verse 16. The cloud appeared and the fire appeared at night and so it was always. 24 hours a day God was there. 20, it, it didn't go away for a while and come back. All oh, the clouds gone and comes back. No. Safety was assured. Safety was assured to the to the Israelites, and protection was guaranteed. The glory of God was their defence. He was in the centre. As long as Christ is in the centre of your life and my life, that's our defence against sin and temptation and wickedness. What an awesome spectacle. We've said this before. The tabernacle must have seemed to the Israelites when they when they looked out at night and saw this pillar as it were of fire. But it must have been a great encouragement to them. You wonder what the surrounding people thought about it as well. That's their God. That's an indication that their God is with them. You wonder actually how the Israelites ever strayed away. You're looking at it, wouldn't you? They have God there and His visible presence all the time. You, you wonder how they ever strayed away. But we have the Holy Spirit. Why do we stray away? If we think of it. They had the presence of the living God with them. The presence of the living. And we have, through the indwelling Spirit of God in our lives... Get that into our heads. We have the indwelling spirit of God dwelling within us. The living God dwells with us. Your temple, your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, they were going through this terrible wilderness. The Israelites, you know, we have satellite communications now. They didn't have anything. No maps, no markers, no human guide. Just a vast wilderness. No idea which way to go. Which way was the promised land? They didn't know. Maybe somebody had, traveller they may have met, had walked through that place before. But following that person wouldn't have brought them to the promised land. No, we've said it, and I don't make any excuse for saying it again. For the Christian, there is no known way through this world provided by the world. There's no known, we will not get our directions in this life from the people around us. From the people in the world. The way of the world ends in death. The way of the world ends in death. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 16.25 If a man follows the broad way, where will it lead? It will lead to destruction. Men like to think they're free spirits. We hear it all the time. I'm a free spirit. I do my own thing. We hear it all the time. Sadly, too late, many find that they are bound by Satan's chains. They're not free spirits. They're bound by Satan. Hebrews 2.14 For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same. He became man. 
that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. That's why Jesus came. He realized that you and me and the rest of the world were all our lifetimes subject to bondage. We're in bondage to Satan. And he came to deliver those people. You and me, he came to deliver us from the power of Satan and deliver us from bondage. Satan knows his fate. Satan knows that someday he will be bound for a thousand years. If you look at Revelation 22, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, that is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. He's going to be bound for a thousand years, and then he'll, he later he'll be cast into hell. And what is hell? Why is hell prepared? It's prepared for the devil and his angels. Devil, see, hell is not prepared for you and me. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But those who reject the way of escape which God has provided will end up in hell. And Satan knows his fate, his eventual fate. And he will do his utmost to make sure he has as many people there with him. Relations fare thee well, I will not go with thee to hell. There's a crunch comes. And we must stand up. And so man staggers aimlessly through the world, believing, believing that he is master of his own destiny. I don't know whether you ever learned Alexander Selkirk. The solitude of Alexander Selkirk. He was the one who, who, who Daniel Defoe based Robinson Crusoe on. And there's a poem, I am monarch of all I survey, and my right there is none to dispute. He was sent, he was put off on a ship and put onto a desert island for mutiny or some, some offence. And he, he's, he wrote this poem, or somebody wrote it on his behalf. And it said, I am monarch of all I survey, and my right there is none to dispute. From the centre all round to the sea, I am lord of the fowl and the brook. O solitude, where are thy charms that sages have seen in thy face? Better dwell in the midst of alarms than to reign in this horrible place. Society, friendship and love divinely bestowed upon man, O had the wings of a dove, how soon would I taste thee again. He was monarch of, of, of a desert isle. He was lost. He was, but yet, he was saying, I'm monarch of all I survey. But he was lost. He was, he, he was doomed. He was on a desert island. And you know that's the way we are. We think that we are monarch of our own lives. But we're not. We're doomed. Man is doomed. And too late. For many. They find that they can't get off. Man feeds on the failing, unsatisfying fruits of the desert. And ends up a lost soul. And you know, Jesus rings out and said, I put down, rings out the good news, doesn't he? Jesus said, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We can be freed. The, the joyous message that we have to tell the world is that they can be free. They can be free.
But you know, with freedom comes obedience. The need for obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And you know, that is real freedom is having loving obedience. If you really love somebody, you'll want to please them. You'll want to do what they want. You'll want to please them. Your will becomes submissive to their will. Galatians, Paul was talking about the, the, the fact that the Galatians wanted to come back to the, to, to the law. They had tried to mix the law and the gospel of grace together. And he says, but stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Don't get entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He says, don't go back to, to, to bondage. Don't get, go back to, to being controlled by others. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. And so as servants of, uh, we are ever dependent upon our loving Heavenly Father. We're dependent on Him as we go through this life. As I say, we can't get anything from the world. We are dependent on our Heavenly Father as the Israelites were going through the desert. He will supply all our needs. And we should do His will. And so it was with our Saviour. When they, at the very early age of 12, when they found him in the temple having missed him on the journey back home, having been up to Jerusalem, he said to Joseph and to Mary, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? When he was talking to his disciples, when they, they thought that he had received food from other people, when they'd gone to get food and they came back, he says, no, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. That was his whole object in life, was to obey his father. As should be our object in life, to obey our heavenly father. And you know, in John 17, he was able to say, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. He finished what he came to do. And so, we must have as our guide, as our guide through this wilderness, the one who has gone the way before. You have a guide, he's one who knows the way because he's been on that way before. There's no point in having a guide in this world if you're going up a mountain and you say to the fellow, which way we go? Well, I've never been here myself before. You know, that's stupid, wouldn't it? <laughs> but we have to have a guide, one who has been this way before. And that's why Jesus said, it's so simple when you think of it, that's why Jesus said, I am the way. You know, which way is the promised land? Follow the cloud. Which way? Is it through this one? Jesus said, I'm the way. It struck me that as being, when I think about this, it seems so logical that Jesus is the way. The way through the wilderness. And at night time, the cloud turned into a pillar of fire. We sang this in the hymn. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. They never walked in darkness. They never walked in darkness because the light was there. 
showing them the way which shall have the light of life the Israelites never walked in darkness because they followed the cloud which was a pillar of fire at night However, they had to keep their eyes on the cloud or the fire. They had to keep their eyes always looking upwards. We must keep our eyes upon him. We must follow the cloud. We must, they had to follow the cloud or the fire and do exactly what it indicated. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all their life as they went through the wilderness, they followed the cloud. You know, I said we'd look at that passage. Look at that passage again. Uh, just a couple of things in it. I can find where we are here. Because I wrote them out here specially. Did you notice anything as we read that? What stands out as we read that passage? Is there anything that struck you? Yes. That's right. That's, that's that was right, Ron. Yes, they, they 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 obeyed God. But there's one particular word in that commandment. Commandment. That's right. Commandment. At the commandment of the Lord. At the verse 18. At the commandment of the Lord. Verse 20. According to the commandment of the Lord. According to the commandment of the Lord. And so on. If you go on to the next uh, few verses. Uh, 23. At the commandment of the Lord they rested in their tents. At the commandment of the Lord they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord. At the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. They did nothing other than what was at the commandment of the Lord. Everything they did was at the commandment of the Lord. So elementary really. Commandment of Moses? No. Commandment of Aaron? No. The commandment of the Lord. The whole, their whole life involved obeying the commandment of the Lord. No progress except the Lord commanded. They kept the charge of the Lord. They guarded. You see, when they when they rested, when they got into their tents, they had to have somebody. They had to have a guard. They kept the charge, the guard of the Lord, to 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 check. They were ever watchful for the directions. Didn't all just go into their tents and close their doors and wonder what's happening outside. No, they kept the guard. They kept the charge of the Lord. They kept the guard. At the commandment of the Lord. They were ever, ever watchful for his directions. They were also in his will. When they were in his tents. Now this is a very important point. Verse 20. According to the commandment of the Lord. They abode in their tents. And according to the commandment of the Lord. They journeyed. Do not move. Unless the cloud has moved. There was no point in them setting off. We've been here ten months. It's about time we got moving. Let's all move off. There was none of that. 
the trouble is we are not content to wait upon the Lord and people get into so much bother praying for guidance and praying for guidance that might be the time God is commanding them to stay in their tents at the commandment of the Lord they abode in their tents you see what's the secret you see man always wants to be doing doing I want, God wants me to do something God wants God at the commandment of the Lord they stayed in their tents I, I thought this was interesting now we, we sang a hymn talking about the meekness and things listen Psalm 25 verse 9 the meek will he guide in judgment the meek will he teach his way the meek will he guide in judgment it's only when we are meek when we have total humility and our will becomes lost in thine the hymn says and my will be lost in thine we make no plans unless we do them in the will of the Lord as the Lord wills we go nowhere unless the Lord wills that's the only plans we make they couldn't make plans they couldn't say tomorrow we will go somewhere uh, no because tomorrow the cloud may have moved they could only say if the cloud doesn't move we'll do that tomorrow but how many times do we as Christians really say that? The Lord will. You know, church announcements always said that in the olden days. If the Lord will. The meetings next week will be at 10.30 if the Lord will. You know, we don't hear that nowadays because we've lost that. We've lost that dependence upon God. He says... I will instruct thee. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. I will guide thee with mine eye. You know, if somebody's going to guide you with their eye, you're going to have to be fairly close to them. There's no point in being half a mile away. He's not going to guide you with his eye if you're at the end of the field. You have to be close by if God is going to guide you with his eye. And the other thing is, there's no point in somebody trying to guide you with their eye if you're not looking at them. <laughs> he will guide me with his eye. But we must be looking at him. We must have our eyes fixed upon Jesus so that he can direct us with his eye you know since all circumstances were right everything seemed right but do we have God's eye as God said Jonah is a typical example turn to Jonah it's quicker for me to, to, to Amos Obadiah Jonah now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Yes, he heard God speaking. 
This man heard God speaking. The word came to him. Arise and go to Nineveh. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. In verse 3. He heard the voice of God. And he did the exact opposite. He went down to Joppa. He was going to try to get to Tarshish. And he found a ship. And he had the fare. And they had a berth. Maybe God got it wrong. He said I have to go to Nineveh. But look I've arrived here. There's a ship going to where I want to go. I have the right money. And there's room. Where he hadn't got the eye of God. He hadn't got. Everything seemed right. But he hadn't got the eye of God. And he ended up in terrible bother. We know the story in 2.1. Jonah prayed from the, the bottom of a, a fish's belly. Instead of going to Nineveh. He was in the bottom of a whale. Floating around the bottom of the sea. With the weeds around his head. And he was in complete disaster. I went to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was around me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O oh my God. When my soul fainted me. I remember the Lord. He remembered the Lord. He came to his senses. But it was a disaster. He was brought very low. Before God could use him. The meek. The meek will he guide. The meek. The meek. Just finally, there's a, a verse in Psalm 132, verse 2, 123, verse 2. The eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters, and the eyes of the maiden unto the hand of her mistress. That's why they're called handmaidens, I believe. I don't know. I always think that must be the reason. Because they watched. The little flick. What their mistress wanted. They knew. Just that little. Movement. To know what to do. Do Watch your eyes. And hands. Are we watching? Are we watching? So our eyes wait upon the Lord our God. Are our eyes waiting on the Lord our God? Watching, waiting, obeying until He have mercy upon us. He has shown us His mercy, His love, His graciousness. The Israelites had to live in total. And absolute dependence upon God. To move, to stop, to eat, to drink, everything. And we as Christians should live in exactly the same way.